Shut up and sit down. my fan off honestly honestly you know what i was in a really good mood and um then i made the mistake of checking my personal email and my family's crazy my family is completely nuts and just nuts just nuts uh for those of you who are interested in what kind of cookies i was making i made gingerbread pumpkins I don't know why I picked the pumpkin. I did. Now, usually gingerbread is a little man, but I made pumpkins. I made gingerbread pumpkins. I regret nothing. Except for perhaps that moment, you know, when I realized I probably should have used my standing mixer. Got a little bit of a workout. Anyways, um, I literally have no topic. None. Not a... Not a single thing. Now, there were some suggestions. There were some suggestions, but none of them really appealed to me. I'm difficult to please. I got nothing. Oh, good Lord. My little dog's outside tormenting... um, the fat squirrels. Uh, and I actually have a little scratch on the top of my head from when I um when I got brained by the by the little branch. Um, I have a little scab because it actually scratched me a little bit. Anyways, I got nothing. I got nothing to talk about. How is my head? Um, it it is it is what it is, and it's it you know I had a headache um for a little bit, but it's better now. And um, ah, oh. there's just nothing going on over here, nothing. Mm mm mm. I'm I'm very clumsy. Um <laughs> and uh so my getting injured on a regular basis is just like par from my course. I mean seriously, I'm like super clumsy. Um Tom Hiddleston um I don't know. I don't know what um what possessed him to to go um, put on all those lovely suits for Gucci, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. And yes, you can ask a question about my writing process if you would very much like to do so. That that would be great. Do you have a question? Because questions are, you know, would be awesome at this point. Um, 
I've not seen Magnificent Seven. I want to. Um, the last movie I saw in the theater was Tarzan, and there ain't nothing to be mad about there, there either. Just just to let you know, um, if you've not seen Tarzan, um, rent it, buy it, precious for yourself. Um, the plot does not matter. Really, the plot doesn't matter. Um, just there, there's a point where he takes, where Alexander takes off his shirt and he never puts it back on, and that's really all you need to know about Tarzan. That's all you need to know. Um, did you ask your question and I missed it, or is it me one of those long ass questions? Okay. <laughs> You obviously missed one, a, a podcast over the summer. Um, okay, the question is, I was just wondering how many stories you keep in work-in-progress status at once. Like, do you keep several going or skip around when the mood strikes? A lady holder is probably currently having a big hee-haw right now. Um, I have over 100 works in progress. Um and I work on them here and there, and I'm, I move around a lot. And I'm not kidding when I say I have over 100. I literally have over 100 works in progress. Um, uh, I don't um, tie myself down to uh, a certain project. If um, Because what I've learned um, over the years that is if I do that, if I um, force myself to work on a project I'm not inspired by, I end up not writing at all. Um, so I move around and write where I'm inspired. And um, yes, there are some things that have been lingering for years, but that's mine. You know, that that's my stuff. I can do what I want with it. Um, and I don't owe uh, anybody any explanations for it. So um, I suggest you adopt the same principle. You know, write where you're inspired and... Um, but I have a plan for each one and a plot for each one. Um, and I plot actually more than I write. I have upwards of, I don't know, five or 600 plot documents that I've never written a word on for the story. Um, so... I don't know what that word means. How do you decide if you're going to make Sam or Keller who is going to be your kill or uh, my bad guy for the story? I fit my bad guy for the story for the circumstances. Um, torture. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, who am I going to torture in a story? Um, the fact of the matter is, is that... It, it greatly depends on the situation and the character. There are some situations where it is um, easy to picture uh, someone like Jennifer Keller making a very immature and vengeful decision like she does in human nature. Um, it's easy to see her do that. Um, that isn't the kind of action... Um, really, that I can picture any other character on Stargate doing. Because she is the most shallow and, and immature of the characters. She's really super undeveloped. Um, 
And then you take it on the role of Sam Carter in Ties That Bind. I'm not a Sam Carter basher by as a rule. She was just the one character I thought that could pull off the arrogance that she did and also get away with it. Because that character, Rodney's former partner, had to be someone who was smart in order to have attracted him, someone who was attractive, someone who is successful, um, someone who projects a certain kind of um, success, but also arrogant enough to assume they didn't need any kind of um, pleasure training. Um, And honestly, I couldn't have put anybody else in that role but Sam Carter. And and, and if you think about it, I don't, I mean, I really don't know who else I could have put besides an OC. But I also think that an original character would not have had the impact that Sam Carter has in um, in Ties That Bind. There's only one project where I have outright abandoned it and, and will never come back to it. And that's Dark Places in the Soul. Um, and I just can't go back there ever again because I got really, really upset with the reader. And um, I can't even look at that work without wanting to stab somebody. There are just, um, sometimes there are just situations in your fic, especially when you're writing fanfic, where you can slot a canon character into a place and they're perfect for it. And, you know, it, it it just becomes really easy to do. So Sam Carter was easy to put in that position. Because um, I think I would have had a hard time justifying an original character getting away with it. Unless I slotted them completely into Sam Carter's spot. And then why do that when I already had Sam Carter there? So why not use Sam Carter in this way? Um, and I don't believe that making somebody the bad guy is automatically bashing. And I know a lot of readers in the fandom do. Like, if you make a character a bad guy, you're automatically bashing them. Um, Because I made um, Sam Carter the bad guy in Ties That Bind, but I don't think I bashed her character. I made Jennifer Keller the bad guy in Human Nature, but I don't believe that I bashed her in human nature. I just explored a part of her canon character. It was already there. And I don't think that's bashing. Um, Pointing out the negative characteristics of Ziva in NCIS is not bashing. Yes, there are bashing stories out there, and I love them. I fucking love them, especially when it's Ziva or Ginny Weasley. But... You don't have to bash a character to make them a bad guy, and making a character a bad guy isn't automatically bashing. Um, But a lot of people um, don't have a line between the two in in fandom, so you're going to get accused of, oh, why'd you bash this character, and why'd you bash this character? Um, Bashing is... um, 
let me get Jilly on the phone here because she's going to have a different perspective, I think, than me about, um, or maybe be able to explain it a little bit better because sometimes she's better at that kind of thing than I am. Um, bashing, uh, it to me, bashing is uh, character abuse. I agree. Uh, I I think it's taking a character dramatically outside of um, the way they are in in canon and um it, there's something there's something very very artificial it's it's very out of, it's very out of character to me when it happens one of the best bashing stories i ever met i ever met read um was the champion's champion and it it bashes ron weasley and it bashes hell out of Ron Weasley. And isn't that the one where he, um, I'm not sure I'm thinking of the wrong story, isn't that the one where he's really jealous about Harry becoming the Triwizard Champion and Hermione helps Harry um, figure out the way to get, to get out uh, of it? To let Ron fight in the, champ- in the tournament? Yeah, and the farting and the golden egg. Yes. <laughs> yes, that one. That one is definitely bashing. But you don't have to it's a really fucking hilarious story. I mean, it is really funny. But a lot of Ron fans don't like it because the author is bashing Ron, but then they didn't say at the front of it that they were gonna bash the hell out of Ron and they don't do any favors for Draco either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I first got into um fandom and then once they started using the term bashing character bashing i was a little too literal with that i thought they meant like wump and i was like oh <laughs> so i was expecting this character of like they're gonna beat up on that character huh and for me usually it was a character i didn't like so i was like well i don't know if that's I, i'm gonna feel bad if i find that satisfying <laughs> i find it super satisfying one of my favorite and most satisfying fix in Stargate is the one where Evan Lorne sneakily kills Jennifer Keller because she's making his CO sad. (laughs) (laughs) She's making John sad, so Evan gets rid of her. But what's really funny is that you never see her on screen, and Atlantis helps Evan do it. They just lock her away and and let her starve to death. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible, and you don't see it. You just see... Like the the ramifications of it, and then Evan walks by a room one day and pats the wall, and Atlantis goes, "You're welcome," <laughs> you know, not out loud, you know, but it was really. But then, but here's the question: Which character, if you want to say that's being a character's being bashed in this particular story, which character is it? Is it Jennifer who gets murdered quite viciously, or is it Evan? who has committed a murder quite viciously. Now, see, I would say that it was um, evident. I mean, the way I think of it, I, when I think of if, when I think of bashing, people tend to associate bashing with, you do anything to a character that I, don't, that I like, that I don't appreciate, and you're bashing them, um, which is ridiculous. But I tend to think of, when you're, when you're taking someone who maybe is at least neutral, well, n- neutral good, maybe, um, and you're making them t- a terrible person. If there's no foundation for the turn you're taking with them, it's just completely. It might as well be an OC, and it's just there's like no connection to the character at all. I mean, I take I I kind of interpret that. It's, that's the way I interpret character bashing. But people will think that you know if you if you like 
um, say something that is canon event, they will get so neurotic about it if a character does something that is questionable. We see this in NCIS a lot. And you point oh, it Tim out. Oh, Tim would never do that. Yeah. So you, all you do is say it. Like I've, you know, I, I, I can't get past Ziva in season six because um, she committed espionage and got caught, and then they brought her and back didn't to the get punished. So it was like, what, what? And when you talk about the espionage, when you actually, I've gotten so many emails from Ziva fans pointing out, telling me that I'm bashing Ziva because all I did was, and I did nothing to her, except have someone in authority say she can't work for NCIS. She committed a crime. That was it. I mean, that's the sum total of what I did to her. I didn't change a single thing she had done in canon except have an appropriate response from from people in the chain of command to her actions and criticism for bashing the character. So at that point, you just want to put character bashing on it, right? So you don't have to deal with crap like that. Like, I warned for it, bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> like, shut the hell you up. Know? <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> everything is going to contain... I mean, I'm just, everything is going to contain Ziva bashing. But, you know, what... What I'm trying to think of what would Ziva bashing look like. I mean, I've, I've, put, I've put it in tags before that I was, you know, bashing her. Um... Well, I didn't Actually, think I was. I think the writers of NCIS did a better job of bashing her um, themselves. Yeah. Because they kill her, then they admit that she kept Tony's child from him. Oh, yeah, they made her horrible. They did exactly what I would call character bashes to make somebody an awful person, and they made her an awful person. <laughs> a really awful person. That's awful. I mean, it would be different if Tony was a terrible person and he would be a, a danger to the child, but he wasn't. There's no valid excuse for her keeping her his child from him. None. No. Because if there was, that lady would have never brought the child to Tony after the fact. That Ziva said that she wanted her child to go to Tony if something happened to her invalidates every excuse she might have offered for keeping his child away from her. From him. So in that respect, we don't even really need to try to bash Viziva anymore because they've already done it for us. Candidate. And people, honestly, the TV shippers typically don't read a lot of them, and they're the most likely people to um, be upset about Ziva being characterized in a particular way. Um, so I don't hear from the Ziva ship or the Ziva fans as much as I hear from the McGee fans. And I treat Ziva, but I, and the funny thing is I hear from the McGee fans more, but I treat Ziva way worse. <laughs> so, you know, it's like whatever. But the thing is, is McGee is a, he's a slasher's read, you know, more likely to read my stories, and they get really bent out of shape about McGee and some of my stories. But I don't even think that I bash McGee over much. I think I'm maybe in a couple of stories – inferring um i'm inferring quite a bit based upon what we see in um season four canon about the way tim and diva acted while gibbs was gone um oh here's the thing i think that um tim's an asshole no he is an asshole that is total canon he said horrible things um 
but to the degree of what he how he acted, uh, we mostly authors tend to there's there's a lot of fanon around that that's quite common, but there's nothing that's actually um, known because those those months weren't shown on the show, so. We're going to assume he was an asshole. He wrote that book. I mean, what, do we need any other evidence? No, not really. He turned Jimmy into a... Pervert. A true pervert. I'm, he turned him into a, a necrophiliac. That's just... oh. He should have got his ass sued over that. I'm sorry, but if someone wrote a book with a thinly veiled copy of me and made me a necrophiliac, his ass would be sued. Sued. Super sued. I it's just it's I Cannon says especially the way he behaved in season four and five sort of set the asshole bar for him. And um you know it, it but people get really uptight if you point out canon because it's the character they like and sometimes i i use mcgee as the positive foil in the story and i choose to just kind of but i still can't write out that he was an asshole i still have them deal with it you know i just never just pretend like it didn't exist well you can't i mean if someone's an asshole it needs to be addressed it 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 needs to be addressed Yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to because, like, um, McGee in my November story, McGee is like Tony's best friend. Um, but I don't have any of the backstory to deal with, so I don't have to have any uncomfortable confrontations where Tony says, "You know, you know, great, we're working together better now." Because the story I'm working on right this minute, I have the, I have that scene where Tony pulls you know McGee aside and says, "You know, you're you're letting other people run you, and you need to stop because I'm not going to be there to you know." fix this shit and you were kind of an asshole and they had to have that conversation in order for their you know friendship to but the nice thing about a complete AU is you can just erase all of the assholery but if I'm actually writing something that's canon compliant <laughs> if you're writing canon compliant I can't just ignore it I can't just pretend like it didn't exist it's sort of like you know no <laughs> Yeah, someone shared a, a link to to a story where um, that I've read the story, this uh, uh, dead air story where um, McGee, you know, he's asked to go over the line and he says no, and it makes him mm-hmm. reevaluate the way he was in the job entirely. Um, and it's really good um, kind of character study. Um, I, th- I think I've read it. Doesn't she threaten him? Yes. Or is that a different like, one? Yeah, that that, that the, the one this one Ziva threatens him right at the beginning. Um, okay, yeah. and he uh, he he actually legit thinks she's gonna do something. So, um, one thing I would say, um, someone said in the chat room that Tim, as this SFA, refused to do actual work, didn't work his full hours, took off company time to do private work. Um, I used to supervise a whole bunch of people at a job, and I evaluated them 
more harshly on what they did when I was not there than when I was there. If I was gone on vacation for a week and I came back and all this shit wasn't done, that had more impact for me than all the shit they did while I was there. Because it proves they can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. They can't be trusted to do their job. And I told one girl shortly before I fired her, "Um, I'm not your babysitter. I'm your boss. And you had these three jobs to do. I was out sick for two days and you did none of it. I'm your boss whether I'm here or not. And these are the jobs that you were supposed to do and you didn't do them. So you're fired. She was really surprised. Now, I'm really surprised that she was surprised because what do people think they're getting paid? Well, to do? the thing is, is um, I'm I was a very um, um, uh, pleasant. Nice. I was a very easygoing boss. Um, I had um, each person had a task. This is, this is what this is what's required of you. This is your job. This is what you're going to do this week. And she had never crossed me before. She she'd always done her shit, and she slacked off because I was sick. And that was the first time I'd taken off work in the entire six months she worked there. Then I had to discuss with my boss why I didn't give people second chances to screw me over. (laughs) But that's an entirely different conversation because I'm not that person. Um, When you make a mistake... There's forgiveness there, but when you intentionally don't do what is required of you and make my job more difficult, make my life more, you know, bullshit, um, I have no tolerance for that. I just don't. And I never really have. Um, so it's probably fortunate that I don't have to work with um, any more crybaby men because I went through quite a few. I really did. (laughs) I changed the way I worked once when my boss was on vacation. Um, And I told him before, because he didn't didn't like me working from home. The company that I worked for had a really liberal work from home policy, but he didn't like it. He liked me there, you know, like I don't know. I was like his whoopie or something. And um, so he's going to be on vacation. I said, you know, I'm going to work from home some next week since you're gone and you won't be here to care and you know how to reach me. He's like, yeah, all right, okay, just don't get used to it. So back and um, he starts going through his emails and he pulls me into his office and he said, what the hell happened last week? And I said, what? He said, all this shit you got done, I can't even get caught up. And I said, that's because I was working from home. He said, well, why don't you get all that shit done in the office? I said, because nobody leaves me alone. Like, ever. It's like constant <laughs> interruptions. My work product is a function of how much t- stuff I can get done in between interruptions around here. So when I'm working from home, I get like 50 times as much done because there's not somebody stopping in my office every 10 minutes asking for help. He said, well, I don't want you working from home, but you are going to stop helping people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you anymore. I'm sorry. Put a little note on your door. My boss says I can't help you. Go ask him for help. <laughs> I 
say, are you really telling me that I have to have a, an, un, an unhelpful policy? <laughs> he says, yeah, I don't want you helping these people anymore. <laughs> I said, you do realize they're your people too. He was the director of our division. And he's like, yeah, you know, they're there. He said, I don't care. They can get someone else out of them. I need you doing my work. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Dear engineering department, Jilly can't help you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not going to do it. But, you know, um, I think that a lot of times women get taken advantage of in the, um, in the workplace for that very reason because we are taught to be helpful. And we also kind of self-train ourselves um, not to reject people because rejection leads to hostility. And we all learn this at a very young age. The first time you, um, and this is going to sound, no, I'm just going to say it. The first time you say no to a little boy and he pushes you down, no, I don't want to play with you, or no, you can't come to my house, push Is there anybody in the chat room, a a woman that has not happened to, where you didn't get a hostile response from another kid, a male child? Because I did. I even got hostile responses from my cousins until they learned better, and they did. (laughs) 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 Because the first time Stan um, uh, pushed me because I didn't want to do something that he wanted to do, I punched him in the face. And he never pushed me again. And the first time one of my other cousins did it, um, Stan was like, don't do it, don't. No, dude, don't. Don't do it, dude. No, no. Oh, shit. (laughs) We were like eight. I busted his mouth, and he lost lost his last baby tooth that day. Because I was not the one. I really was not. Um, And I got in trouble a bunch of times for fighting at school because if little boys um, mess with me, I hit them. And the first time one popped my bra, I had to get a bra like in the fifth grade, and I was really embarrassed to have to have it. Um, But I really did have to have it. I didn't even get a training bra. I got an actual bra. Um, I went from nothing to a bra. There was no training phase. Um, And he pushed my bra. I mean, mean, he pulled my bra. And he snapped it, and it hurt. And I turned around and told him, I said, don't do that anymore. And he did it again. And so I punched him in the stomach. Is that a sucker punch? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I punched him in the stomach, and I had to go to the um, to the principal's office. And they asked me why I hit him, and I told him. And the principal was really surprised that I was wearing a bra. And he was like, well, you could tell he really didn't want to look. Because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the fifth grade. He doesn't want to look. But... <laughs> I've accused this other boy of doing this, and the other little boy, and and the, and the boy was there with him, and he said, did you do this? Did you um, pop her bra? And he was like, well, yeah. And I got sent back to class, and I didn't have to get in, I, I wasn't in any trouble. 
But um, I don't know what happened to him beyond me punching him in the stomach, which he totally had coming. Yeah, he had that object lesson coming. (laughs) For all the other women in the world that he treats with with a little bit more respect, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Not Papa Girl's bra. Don't pinch her butt. Don't grab her ass, you know. Don't Don't deliberately rub against her boob. Just don't. Keep your hands to yourself. Don't do that. Um... So I just I got, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's just really oh, annoying. Not. But we are taught at an early age to kind of deflect, to avoid hostility. Right? Mm-hmm. So we end up getting abused in work situations, and that's really all I was, that was my roundabout point about that. <laughs> so last night I had like an epic, um, it took me a minute to kind of figure out that it it was, I can't believe it took me how long it took me to figure out that I was being gaslighted. But it, it, it took me a minute because I was so off-put. My eyes uh, went wide. I, I, was, I know. I was put off by, by the, because um, it, you know, sometimes something sounds logical, but it's not, you know. It, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I was helping somebody with something that required an epic amount of work. Um, it was research, phone calls, um going to multiple websites and gathering data, creating a calendar. It was just this big thing that, you know, I was helping them because I really wanted them to be able to do this thing and the deal of stuff. And, it's you know, and I, I know that they get really wrapped around the axle over getting into minutia. And so I was like, I'm going to help with this. So I'm, this mm-hmm. is something I'm, I'm good at. I can do it quickly. So, But it took a lot of work. It was a lot of work. So I send it off. Here's your stuff. And I never heard anything. It was just like I wanted to avoid. So... I wrote him and I said, you know, did you get it? And uh, um, because oh yeah, I got it, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, is it okay? Was there something wrong? Uh, and it was like we had a little bit of exchange, and then finally I said, you know, are you like pissed because I didn't say thank you or something? I was like, well, I don't know what I am. I'm just like, because I, I mean, it seemed like something I was like, I shouldn't say. I mean, and the answer was yes, I am pissed that you didn't at least acknowledge and. Thanks or whatever, but the astronomical um, amount of work I did for you, Dickwad. <laughs> right. So, but it was just so I, I didn't know what to say to that coming at me. Like, are you like pissed that I didn't say thank you or something? And I was like, well, some acknowledgement, you know, would would be, would be okay. I was a little bit st- I was a little bit flummoxed, and it came back. Um, you know, I don't owe you gratitude. Is that what you did this for? And I said. Well, no, of course not. I don't ever set out to do anything hoping to get paid in appreciation. That's not the point. But when you do something really, I was like, and I was, I was, I was, I was, I was stumbling over this whole conversation. And I, maybe they were in a bad, having a bad day or in a bad mood, or I don't know what the fuck the problem was. But there was this whole, um, I didn't know what. To, I just was like, mm. and so I said, well. You know, you don't owe me appreciation, of course not, and I didn't do this to be paid in appreciation. But when you do something for someone that is really, you know, nice, it is the absence of any appreciation is glaring. Um, and the okay. response came back okay. again. Oh, God, this is going to give me an aneurysm. Number one, 
He absolutely did owe you gratitude. I'm sorry. No. You know what? When you do a lot of work for somebody else to help them out because they will get bogged down in it and not actually complete it, he does, in fact, owe you gratitude. And gratitude isn't the same thing as appreciation. Gratitude is saying, thank you for doing this for me. I really appreciate it. Boom. It's not saying, oh, you're so beautiful. Thank you so much. You're not asking for for praise. You're asking for gratitude, and you're entitled to it. What? Come on. If he just said, if, if he asked me if I expected gratitude, I'd be like, yes, motherfucker. As a matter of fact, I do expect some gratitude. You rude bitch. I was just so startled by it. I didn't know what to do. And the way it came back at me, and then the question of, did you do this expecting gratitude? Did you do this for that reason? Um, and I was just so You did it to help him. Now, the question yeah, that becomes, was why is, I did it. Did you not, did he not, he felt no need to thank you for the work you did, which right. makes him an asshole, him or her, so, whatever. Yeah. But, Asshole. And it, it that, and it so my dude, final right? response was, I said, you know, it's absolutely, I said, you know, if you, if you have the life philosophy that you don't owe gratitude, any way the gratitude that you don't owe it, that's fine. But no one owes you favors either. And the final thing I heard um, was, does this mean you're not going to help me on this in the future? And I said, yes, that's exactly what it means. And so then, it, so then it came back around this morning because that exchange was that exchange was last night. Um, but it came back around this morning that I heard from another person, third party person, who says, "I hear you're not helping so and so with this anymore. What's going on?" And I was like, "If my eyebrow could twitch, it so would." You should have responded. It's because he's a rude dick. Now I'm just assuming this is a dude. Is it a girl? You don't want to tell me. You don't have to tell me. I'm just assuming it's a dude because this is the kind of shit men do. It, it's <laughs> you don't you have know, to say. No, the gender thing. It's um, it's a case of was one is something else now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyway. Um. Well, the thing is, is that women are taught to be gracious and thankful. When is the last time you did a favor for a woman? And didn't get a thank you. Has that ever happened in history? Ever? So, that whole thing about not owing gratitude, that is a very male, very entitled position to take. It is, and I guess I should congratulate him <laughs> on the transition. <laughs> That's the transition. Congratulations. Congratulations. You got the entitlement you're, down. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just... Mm, and the reason why I hesitate with pronouns is because... I, Last I heard, to some degree, there wasn't a complete decision, you know, about yeah. all of those. But so you know it's what, like, though? <sighs> what I would say, and um, I'm like, this, you got the um, dude down part. <laughs> the dude part down. So. Working that shit like mad. Strap it on, sweetheart. You won. Um, 
I, that was ugly. I'm so, I'm not sorry. I'm not remotely sorry. Here's the thing. Here is the thing. Um, some people, um, um, when they go through um, the kind of difficult adjustments that you go through when you're transitioning like that or when you're accepting some truth about yourself, you get um, extra sensitive to criticism. And maybe that's what's going on with this person. Um Seeing um, seeing fault in themselves or in somebody else where it isn't, um, but also it could just be that he's a dick. Yeah, and I it mean, is frankly my go-to assumption if you're a man that you're probably a dick. Yeah, and I would have been like you know okay with a quite a few responses, um, but not you know are you did you do this. Are you saying you did this because you expected me to be? You did this from the appreciation. That response was a little bit like, "Whoa!" It's, ugly. it's an ugly response. Well, I don't know. Did you work me like a dog because you figured you wouldn't have to thank me and be grateful for all the fucking work I did for you for free? Fuck you. <laughs> but here's a here's a good rule of thumb. Ladies and gentlemen, um, when someone asks you a rude fucking question, turn around and ask them a rude fucking question back. And don't answer their original question either. Because they don't deserve an answer to their rude fucking question. So just throw it back on them. Let them sputter and then walk away. A victor. (laughs) And think murder when you walk. In fact, always think murder when you walk. It's just, it's re- it's really good for your posture. So this was, this was like, this is like real life crap, right? And um, this is not like someone I knew from fandom because I don't, I don't research master's programs for people I know through NCIS, you know. Yeah. That's what I was doing is I was researching multiple universities and pulling information about master's programs and um, building dates and getting entry requirements and even making phone calls to department chairs. And it was just an epic amount of work. Um, and, um, I mean, yay for me. But it was just, you get your, you get your I'm so mad on your behalf. I am so fucking mad on your behalf. I'm like, what? I was like in a I was like in a righteous snit last night. I was so pissed off. I was like my head started to throb. Just it was like, uh, and I got and when I when I finally just I closed my email. I just closed it and I was like, I think I was just gaslighted. I'm usually really good at spotting that shit. What the fuck? I need like a drink or something. <laughs> I'm gonna confess something horrible about myself. I um I sometimes go over to Raised by Narcissists. It's a Reddit. Um, <laughs> And I read their stories, and I'm thinking to myself, do I know anybody like that? Do I know anybody like that? Now, the end result is, is having watched this as much as I have, I mean, watched, as read this as much as I have, and no, I'm not treating it like reality TV. Um, And I don't find it entertaining. I I find it fascinating. Um, I I find it really fascinating. And um, um, that's terrible probably, too, but... uh, I'm a student of human nature, and um, I just find the whole thing, the whole thing, um, really, really interesting. So I go over there and read, and then I'll be in the middle of a conversation with somebody. I think to myself, "Is this asshole a narcissist?" 
<laughs> because it's in me. It's like it's there. I've I, I've read. Is this person a narcissist? Is this person gaslighting me? Do I need to gray rock them? <laughs> I'm all up in their terminology, right? <laughs> I want to gray rock this person. I think they're a narcissist, and I'm not making fun of it because these people have gone through some shit. They have gone through some shit, and I'm not making fun of them. What I'm saying is, is that having listened, having read all these stories about these these difficult circumstances these people have been in, being raised by parents who are irredeemable, selfish motherfuckers, it puts you in a it, it puts you in a mindset, and you'll be looking at your family like, is she the golden child? And if she's the golden child, does that make me the scapegoat? <laughs> I mean, you'll be like over here just, you know. Is that one time when my mom skipped my play when I was in the fifth grade? Was that because she was selfish or just because she had to work? <laughs> it's terrible. It's like WebMD, only worse. Because you're diagnosing other people. <laughs> and not yourself. You come out with five diseases if you, if you go to WebMD. Sometimes, sometimes I go to that forum when I, like, you know, am just... Like, I need, one day I was, like, looking for, like, could I write someone being this unrealistic about something, having this this challenge to perception of reality? And so I'm reading on that forum, and the answer by the end was, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can definitely go go there. But also, there's also, you know, sometimes I read it, and I kind of, because it, it, there is an, an interesting element about it, is reading it, and, um but there's also that moment when you kind of go, I feel really lucky right now. Really lucky. Yeah, I'll be like, my mom was so great. My life was just, just this is awesome. There was, I, remember, I was reading this um, one. It was actually, I don't think it was on Reddit. It might have been in a different form. But this lady was talking about that, like, her mom, and these people don't know their perception. They've been raised around these horrible situations, and their perception of reality is so skewed that they don't know that what they know is a problem is a problem. It's like their instincts are saying this is wrong, but they've been gaslighted so much into believing that it's not a problem that they have to ask. So like one woman was posting, and this is a classic example of someone who's gaslighted a lot, what happens to them is when the abuser turns um, the, the abuse, you know, the, the, they make the perpetrator the person who's being abused. Is this woman, her mother came and took all of her stuff, everything she owned, and sold it to get herself a car. And then when she complained, told her she was ungrateful. And so the girl posts and says, am I really wrong to be mad about this? Now, to anybody, to anybody in a rational state of mind would see that that is um, – of course she has every right to be. Anybody would be angry. Anybody would have the right to be angry and be upset and to have their mother be hauled off to jail. But somebody who's been gaslighted their entire life by someone who's abusive and told that they're the ones who's actually being abusive by questioning the abuse gets to the point that they can't tell. Their instincts are saying this doesn't seem right, but they've been gaslighted into believing that they have no right to be upset. It's terrible. I mean, you should. I mean, um, I'm not suggesting you go over there to read these stories for um, um, entertainment or anything like that, because it's, it's not entertainment. Um, 
but it what but it does give you a window into people's motivations and um uh people's strength and um you'll just you know you, you learn a lot about human nature when you explore some of these self-help communities um and as a writer um I find that very valuable I agree because you get to the end, cause you, if you wonder what, um, and for people who are curious about gaslighting, um, narcissists gaslight the hell out of people in their lives. Um, so if you want to see the effects of what that does to people long term, um, that is a good. Um, it's a good sort of learning. So model Trump is to totally gaslighting the whole country because oh, he is gaslighting that's why he's also a pathological liar, and he doesn't care. If people find out he's a liar, he is intent on making you believe a certain thing and does not, he literally does not care if he's fact-checked. He has no shame for it. He is a textbook narcissist. And he'll just claim that, you know, something crazy like, you know, what was that tweet this morning? He made some sexist comment three in the morning and... Um, oh, well, he um, he, um, he claimed the former Miss um, Universe was a porn star. Not true. Um, he's calling her fat when he's actually morbidly obese himself. But he doesn't see it that way. He he lies about his weight. He lies about his height, his health, everything, the size of his hands. We're all can we all I mean, we all can see his tiny little Cheeto hands. And you know what? You know what else really bothers me? Donald Trump was never attractive. He's 267 pounds and he's 6'2". And none of it is muscle. I do think he's morbidly obese. But... Either way, he has no business telling a woman who weighs 145 pounds that she's fat. Um, his BMI is 35, um, which puts him at right at the line between moderately obese and severely obese. Yeah. But here's something else. Why is it... that rich men, no matter what they look like, feel like they have the right to monitor women's bodies like their possessions. Where does this entitlement come from? It probably comes from the same place those those asshole trolls that get on the internet and criticize women for how they look when they're living in their mom's basement. Now Trump lies and say he weighs that that he weighs two hundred and thirty six pounds. He also lies and says he's six foot three, and that he's a human being when we all know he's a Cheeto. <laughs>
he claims to be, he professes to being um, 15 pounds overweight. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Someone who's six foot two or six foot three or six foot one, you're not going to even be able to appreciably tell 15 pounds. I mean, that's just at that height. Yeah. You're just not going to be able to spot that they've got a weight problem if that's all it was, you know. And, I, you know, it's one of those, this is one of those things, like, nobody cares if somebody, if, if he's 15, 20, 50 pounds overweight, if he wasn't being such an asshole about women's bodies. Yeah, if his lips are moving, he's la, la, la. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all that is. And please don't call him a penis. I like a cock. I don't like Donald Trump. He's the human Cheeto, the Cheeto prophet, King Cheeto. We don't care which one you pick. Apricot mangled hell beast. Pick something <laughs> orange. That was awesome. <laughs> you, you know, Daddy ball sack is fine. I'm I'm not all that entranced by ball sacks, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that works, um, but. An angry hippopotamus is actually pretty funny. Um, but I think he's more like a chimpanzee since he likes to throw shit. Yeah. Probably an angry literally. hippopotamus is deadly. Funny, but deadly. They will they will take out a crocodile. So do not anger a hippo. Actually, they don't have to be angry. Hippos are very aggressive. Um, he has all the aggression of a hippo, but he has, you know, tantrums like a chim- like a chimpanzee for sure. He's a ginger umbridge. <laughs> you know what's really fascinating about that whole Voldemort umbridge um, comparison and, and um, um, Donald Trump is that objectively speaking, Donald Trump is worse than Voldemort. I agree. And since some crazy test online says that Voldemort's my soulmate, I feel compelled to stick up to the Dark Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that, you know, that that Voldemort... He's um, a manipulative... You know what Trump is? He's not Voldemort plus Lockhart... He's Umbridge plus Lockhart. Yeah, yeah. He's the love child of Dolores Umbridge and Gilderoy Lockhart. Not even um, you get brought Lockhart. At least had, you know, it was at least the you know at the beginning he at least had some charm. It was it was pretty transparent. He was Donald Trump has vain. never had any charm. He was vain. Yeah, that's that's the Umbridge part, but. Um, Lockhart is a narcissist. He's vain. He's a liar. It's more like, it's more like Cornelius Fudge and Dolores Umbridge. Which, you know. 
But anyway, I do think he's actually worse than Voldemort because Voldemort had um, a purity of purpose. Is is that the right way to say that? Probably not. Um, He had convictions (laughs) about something. We may not have liked what he was convicted about, but he had conviction about something besides his own wealth, which I'm beginning to think that Trump's wealth is, you know, Conflated. There's just nothing there. You know, that's why he can't raise his taxes because and that maybe why he can't. Did you guys listen to the the, the, the the even during a court proceeding, he could not help but brag about his own shit. Yeah. You can't even make that shit. You you can't make that kind of shit up. He um. But Voldemort was he had. He did have clarity of purpose, but even if you have the same, even if even if you argue that to some degree they have the same same basic agenda, right? Um, in some ways, um, there's the elitism is there. Um, at least Voldemort was intelligent. You know, he was. A, it, it, it's true. And I, I will. Uh, Trump isn't smart enough to know that he's an idiot. He he's just he actually and the thing is that scared one of the things that scares me is he perceives himself to be smart. I watched that um compilation video about all his comments about his good genes and why he has a good brain because of his genes and his belief that some people have better genes and they make him a better person. And it's actually really scary his sort of attachment to eugenics and that he has some of that great Aryan blood in him and stuff, and that he's really proud of all of the, you know, his Aryan blood. I mean, it's just, it was a really creepy video. Um, but he really believes, he really believes that he is a smart man. He really believes that he is better genetically and in every way possible than the average person. Which is just bizarre and very Hitler-like, um... Cheeto crusted Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that we needed that, and that was just maybe too far. I don't know. But his little internet troll army—I don't know. Yeah, we should probably stop talking about it before his troll army um, catches wind of us. Yeah, no kidding. Oh. Yeah, I'll take Voldemort. But what anyway. I would, but what I would say um, is that um, studying people um, and their behavior is is really valuable um, to me as a writer, and it, and it always has been. Um, it's just it's be careful. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's just you don't want to um, enjoy the misery of others. Does that make sense? Yeah, you you know you don't. The voyeuristic thing isn't gonna. It's not gonna. It's not good for anybody to voyeuristically enjoy other people's pain. Well, I say post on YouTube. 
Yeah, if you if you put your stupid shit up on YouTube and you want if you want people to or you do something put it on Facebook and say like if you agree, share if you love or something like that. You do stupid shit like that. Yeah, I'm going to just sit there and go I am just really enjoying the fact that I am not you right this moment. I um I watch some pretty terrible stuff on YouTube. Um I'm I'm recently um watching a lot of um Philip DeFranco. Philip DeFranco? Yeah. He's kind of an asshole, but he's also really interesting in a very assholeish kind of way. I'm I just I don't know, Philip DeFranco. Um who is not advertiser friendly, by the way? Uh, and you know what's really interesting about it is on YouTube they're having this thing about demonetization of videos that are not user friendly. <coughs> and um, <coughs> his what the videos that are not user friendly? What does that mean? Demonetization. Oh. YouTube creators get paid um, for views um, and um, ads and stuff like that, and um, uh, Videos are getting demonetized um, because they're not meeting um, the standards that YouTube has set for um, being advertiser friendly. Now, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if Blog Talk has that because I have all these little advertising spots that I agree to put in my podcast, but all my podcasts are rated R. And so I was curious <laughs> when they're going to realize that I'm not advertiser friendly. <laughs> So they, it, so if your videos aren't advertiser friendly, um, right? They can take the money off of it. So even if, um, which is you don't a get really paid. kind of ugly form of censorship. We're gonna hit you in the pocketbook if you say something that advertisers that's, don't like. That's exactly it. There's a whole bunch of videos about it. Um, but uh, what's really interesting is that one of my most listened to podcasts, um is one that uh, heavily features um, explicit details about taking it up the ass. <laughs> and um, they had listed it amongst a couple of other um, podcasts that they specifically wanted me to go in and monetize um, because advertisers wanted to get in on these because they were getting a lot of hits. And I wrote back and I said, are you sure about this one? And they were like, um, yeah. I said, are you really sure? Have you listened to it? And she says, oh, no, we don't listen to the content. I said, I think you need to listen to this and make sure your advertiser is aware of, of, of the content because there's a reason why it's so listened to, and it's not because I'm sweet. So two hours pass, I guess maybe three hours pass, and I get an email, and um, it was like one line. It's like, well, We'll ask them if they want to do this still. And three days later, it comes back, and the advertiser says, yep, we want in. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll go in there and do it. It's, it's totally on you. <laughs> go for it. If you don't mind the butt sets talk, we'll just, let's get it on. And, um, yeah. We're all about the butt sex here. It's going to be talked about 
it's gonna be talked about in um, every podcast. We need to. We that should probably be a rule that at least at some point, you know, you at least say butt sex. You know, even if they're like it's totally off topic for the night. You know, in every butt, butt podcast. Sex comes up. Yes, exactly. Surprise, butt sex. <laughs> you can just do it like the surprise. The mystery, what was it? The surprise mystery butt sex miracle tour or something like that. Mystery tour. I have it on my mystery tour. Yeah. There's always surprise butt sex. No, let me take that back. There should never actually physically be in your life surprise butt sex. Ever. Yeah. I have one friend. No I've told you guys this before. Yeah, I've told you guys this before. But it's one of those just like stunning moments in your life that you just can't get over is the person who told you that they had accidental butt sex. And it's like. You're like bullshit. And I was like, you know, how did this happen? And is he still alive? And, you know, this is somebody who had been like down on me about. She'd been like, I can't, I can't. Because she, she had like, poor woman, she had like three of her best friends were really into anal sex. And she just was like, like, no, I can't conceive. And she was just really down on it. It, it came up even when nobody else would bring it up. She bring it up. Like, in the middle of conversation. So she's super fascinated by it and was embarrassed. Right. So it's like, okay. in the middle of, like, we're talking about something else completely. Everybody's drinking something. And she'll go, I just still cannot understand you ladies in the butt sex. And we'll be like, really? We were just talking about, you know, that concert we're going to. Where does the butt sex come into this thing? So, she just, she's like, and she was constantly bringing it up to me. And so, like, one night, she, like, it's late. She taps my door. She comes in. And she's like, I had backdoor sex. Like, <laughs> she whispered backdoor? <laughs> That's what she said. She had backdoor sex. She whispered, I had backdoor sex. And I said, well, I thought you were, like, really against that. Oh, I did. And she said, well, it happened by accident. Bullshit. I said, what? I said, how, how did that happen by accident? If she'd asked me that, I'd have, if she said that to me, I said, do you need to go to the emergency room? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little butt sex. I was, like, I was so stunned. I was like, how did that happen by accident? And she said, well, he missed. I said, is he still alive? <laughs> she said, no, it was great. And I was like, I'm sorry, he missed. It was accidental, and it was great? She said, yeah, I loved it. I, I totally get what the big deal is now. And I was like, Something here is not adding up because assuming accidental butt sex occurred, it is never good. <laughs> no, it. Yeah, you know, I've I've had a slip because you know sometimes the dick slips, right? That's that's some painful shit right there. Painful. <laughs> yep. Look, I don't. You know, my ass needs to be romance. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to that whole vagina thing. My ass is much prettier than my vagina. <laughs> Right, it's like there needs to be a seduction. <laughs> there needs to be. A, we, we need we need wine. We need chocolate. We need we need bath. We need we need all the accoutrement. We need slow dancing. They just need to, everything needs to happen, and then a lot of foreplay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So I agree. I agree. I agree that what happened was is that she found really wanted to try it. She was really curious about it. She really didn't want to admit it. And then she really liked it. And she wanted to get in on the talking about how great anal sex is. And she couldn't. And so without exposing the fact that she decided to try it, so she made it an accident. <sighs> Whatever. 
But it was just the weird one of those weird moments. Is like you know because it's like the last thing I'm expecting to hear is I tried backdoor sex. <laughs> you realize there are people behind us, right? They can see you if you're hiding in the back door. <laughs> there just has to be lubrication, okay? Well, I asked her about the lube part of it. I did, I did, you know, I did get a little bit because I've never been shy about getting specific with my friends um, when sex came up because I've had one too many friends, you know, when I was younger, find out after knowing them for like two or three years they'd never had an orgasm, and I was like, you know, I am not doing my duty as a woman in the world to have sat here with you for two years when you're having sex on a regular basis and you're not getting off to not have known that and done something about it. <laughs> it's like, not personally, not getting hands on, but I mean, here have a book, go spend some time alone. <laughs> but you know, it's um so I asked about that. She said, Well he had been in you know, he'd been in her vagina and then he slipped and Mm-mm. I'm like, That's not enough lube ever. No, not unless you know, not unless you've been rode hard for like a week <laughs> then it might be okay. Unless her vagina is masquerading as Niagara Falls, I don't see how that's bullshit. She's a big liar. <laughs> She's lying. Sometimes you just know when someone's lying. But I have locked, I have locked more than one of my friends before, and family members. I think there's been like three people in my life. I have, I have handed them our bodies ourselves and locked them in the bathroom and said, "You are not coming out until you figure this out." Get in there, have a bath, have some fun. All about masturbation now. Yeah, it's um vaginal lubrication is not quite right for um of the patron say to satisfy women is people you know if you if you've been in a sexual relationship with somebody for more than a day and you haven't had an orgasm <laughs> something is really really wrong the first time i encountered a girl who'd never had an orgasm i was in college and um i was a sophomore and she was a freshman and we were um talking and um she was, um, we were all, all in the lobby, we were talking, you know, it was outside of um, class, and um, <clears throat> she admitted she'd never had an orgasm, and we're all like, I said, I said you don't got to lie about, mas- about, about masturbating, we all do it. I thought maybe she was just, you know, uncomfortable admitting that she masturbated, and she said she masturbated but never accomplished an orgasm. Ever. I said, what about sex with a boy or a girl? Have you done that? And she was like, no. I said, okay. And I turned to my roommate. I said, go go get your car keys. Because <laughs> we got to go to the fucking store. And she said, what are we going to buy? I don't have any money. And I'm like, hold on a minute. I said, I need five bucks from everybody in the room. Come on. Cough it up, five bucks. And I went around and I got fifty dollars. 
<laughs> from everybody in the room. And I said, we're taking this child to the sex store. We'll be back. The and we bought her. Fund. We bought her a little rabbit. I figured it would be the most. Because um, you, you, the, the rabbit, you can use it on the ex- outside, and then gradually you can use it on the inside, too, obviously. Um, and we got her some, you know, of course we got her some lube. We had first thing, you can get some lube. Um, and we got her a little rabbit vibrator, and I sent her back to her room, and I said, don't come out until you've come. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see her we for the next week you. at all? <laughs> we don't want to see you. Um about halfway through the first semester, we did have to do an intervention because she wasn't going out with us. She was just going to class and being in her room. And um, we're like, um, we're we're really glad that you that you've embraced your clitoris, but um, you need to get out of the dorm. And also, doing it with a boy is pretty great, or a girl. We don't <laughs> care. God, we're just we'll set you up. First step, figure it out. Second step, have some company. <laughs> and try it out. Oh, bless her heart. Just So I had I, one of the women I knew when I was um, younger. Um, I guess I still know her, but um, we haven't been in touch with her a few years. But um, changed my perception of an entire group of people. Um, what I, you know, what I uh, had known since we were kids. And um, around 17 or so, she sort of fell into being a rock groupie and um she would go to concerts and she'd hang out with the bands and um she slept with a lot of rock stars folks a lot of them she was was beautiful beautiful woman i you know that was what she wanted to do she did for like five or six years she was on tour with a lot of different bands she just would go around the 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 buses with them um that's what she wanted to do she was really into music she was really into that scene and like five years into that um, whole lifestyle of hers, she and I had a conversation one day, and she said she'd always wondered what the big deal about sex was. And I said, well, what do you mean? Orgasms are awesome. And she's talking about, well, I, I, how do you know if you've had an orgasm? And I was like, uh, if you've had one, you would know. <laughs> there is no mistaking this. And right there, and you know, it's like, well, maybe, I mean, some women have a condition called anorgasmia. They just cannot orgasm. I just actually just tilted my head a little bit. What? <laughs> yeah. How do you know if you had one? That was her question. So she asked me you know, how you've had an orgasm. And I was like, and I thought, well, my first thought was, maybe she really has anorgasmia. Maybe she cannot. And so I told her, I said, well, you know, if you, try, I mean, if you tried masturbating. And she said, no, I've never, never, never really touched myself down there. Um, not, you know, except for, you know, dealing with my period and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, not everybody, can, I mean, I would say the majority of the population can. And orgasmia is, is, isn't very common. It's usually caused by medication and you aren't taking anything that could cause it. Um, but the best way to know if, you know, is to try masturbating. And she's like, well, how do I do that? I was like, well, like, oh, honey, what do the guys do when they, you know, like go down on you? Like, none, none of the guys, none of these guys she ever slept with had gone down on her. I was like, well, what do they do when they touch you? Like, they didn't really touch her down there very much. I was like, okay. All right. At this book. point, I know that you're. Am I allowed to say that? I, I don't know if you're. I can't remember. Allowed to say what? Your sexuality. I don't know if we've discussed that. Oh yeah, I'm pansexual. 
Okay. Um, at this point, were you tempted to decide, you know what, just go take off your clothes? <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was. But... Easier. <laughs> You're my girl. I'm going to take care of you. Because <laughs> this, 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 this can't go on. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I actually was, I was, I was very aware of her, her, her heterosexuality. So I just said, you know, so we had this very frank discussion, and I described masturbation. But I said, you know, what I'm going to do because this is, conversation is clearly making you uncomfortable. I'm going to get you a book, and it explains what you can try. And I have a really, really nice shower head. I'm just saying, I'm not going to give you more details than that. But you read the book, go take a shower, see what happens, try some shit out. So like an hour later, she comes out of the bathroom and she is so happy. She's like, "Oh, that's the best thing ever." <laughs> Your hot like, water tank is completely empty. <laughs> but the moral of the story was, I'm sorry, are assholes, because she had to have slept with at least. And I'm not judging the number of men the woman slept with. She could sleep with as many men as she fucking wants, but she had to have slept with at least forty or fifty rock stars, and had never had an orgasm with any of these guys. What a bunch of fucking selfish pricks. I personally love my detachable shower head. <laughs> Me too. It's got like four settings. Massage, pulse, Rainforest and Orbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will tell you folks that she stopped dating musicians after that, after the O. She got the O, she gave up the musicians. Um, I think there probably was a compromise in there. She probably could have found a musician who wasn't an asshole in bed, but <laughs> she decided that she was going to be having more of that, and she wasn't going to be responsible for it solely on her own, so... Barbara says that drugs and rock and roll do not mean great sex. They apparently don't mean even tolerable sex as far as I'm concerned because if you've been banging people for five years and you've never had an orgasm and you didn't know that sex was supposed to be... I mean, what the fuck is she getting out of that all those years? I just... Bah. I was like, no. But this is like my mission if I encounter a woman who has never had an orgasm before to set them on the path. Go masturbate. Get a vibrator. <laughs> Own it. Own it. Have a have a really nice shower head. It's totally worth it. Oh, but we're in a drought right now, so I'm deprived. <laughs> I don't I don't um I don't know. I don't know how you get to be an adult woman and not know what your clit is and how to to do that. Well, sex education in our country is a joke, and women's sexuality is not prioritized um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, Where is your curiosity? That's your junk. You can you can touch your own stuff. I know. I mean, if some if people talk, if you if you've been raised with the um, notion, and you hear about how great sex is, and everybody wants to have sex, and you do it repeatedly, and it's sort of, you know, like you'd rather have a coffee and a book, you know. <laughs> You'd think you'd start to question and go, what is, and that actually was the question she asked. She just asked it five years too late, was what's the big deal? And, of course, my double takeover, what's the big deal, was like, what? Huh. 
Okay. Yeah, Lady Holder brings up there's a whole, you know, there's no touching down there. Don't touch that. It's dirty. Um, and um, you just get rid of guys who say crap like that. Oh, pleasure women parent, is so much messier um, now, than pleasuring sister, a man. My sister, she, she's a very forward-thinking person. Um, she caught um, her stepdaughter, who's 12, um, masturbating, flipped her shit. She called me. She says, I can't believe she's doing this. I said, I can't believe you're doing this. She said, what? I said, are you being serious right now? Because what you're doing, having this fit, is you're creating a situation where she can't, where she won't feel comfortable asking you questions. Because you flipped your shit about a non-issue. She said, but she's, I said, that's hers. She just said, I wasn't prepared for it. I said, well, get prepared really quick because you're fucking up. She went, oh, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. And my sister sounds just like me. So that's really just exactly how she said it, too. Well, shit. <laughs> because she just wasn't prepared, and she overreacted, and she didn't respond well. And I was like, well, you, just, you just can't do that. You just can't. I said, you need to, you need to. Figure out where your problem is because um, I got news for you, sweetheart. You were masturbating at 11. <laughs> and she was like, I was not. I said, oh, really? So how much time did you spend under the faucet when you took a sh- uh, a bath when you locked the door? She went, oh, don't talk about that. I'm like, what did you think that was? And she said, well, I wasn't touching it. She said, nothing. No, you were just using water. It's no different. She so went, because he wasn't touching it, it was it was what she okay. She compartmentalized, I guess. I don't know. I mean, she just it just it didn't so weird. It didn't. She wasn't prepared. And this is the oldest girl in the house. Um, the youngest is seven, eight. The, the youngest is eight. Um, so it's twelve, ten, and eight. I said you need you need to um, also. Uh, Think about this: If she's masturbating, menstruation's not far off. And she went, "Oh fuck my life!" <laughs> she said, "I can't handle that." I said, "The worst part is, is by the time you get the first one settled and out of her PMS rage, the last one's going to be moving right on into it." Did you know those first years of your period? You you're miserable. Mm-hmm. And make sure everybody around you is miserable too. Um, she just—I don't know. She just, she just wasn't ready. She Barbara just was not ready. She and um, up in the chat room, in the chat, that um, sometimes you know, even babies and preschoolers will um, rub their genitals. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we I don't know. I, mean, I can't say that they're, they're having. Orgasms or anything—that's not what I'm saying at all. But it's it's well documented that kids will, you know, soothe themselves by, and it's just like just not something that you know. It's just, it's natural to, it's your body, you know. When you're a kid, leave them alone. Look, I mean, may, my maybe you have that conversation. When he discovered his penis, 
You, you changed his diaper. Since. <laughs> you changed his diaper. That hand was there. Look. And then I'm to take a diaper off. I'm like, okay, dude. You just know. <laughs> you just know. I had. I had. <laughs> Reminds me, my Padawan is 16, and um. He started uh, being not interested in going out with the family, and my sister was all upset. She says, I don't know why he doesn't want to go out with us anymore. I said, really? He's like 15. And I'm like, got a 15-year-old boy who shares his room with a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. Because they're a blended family. Um, her sons and daughter and his daughters and son. So they're all kind of step together in ages. It's just true Brady Bunch shit. Um, but um, I said, so you've got a 15-year-old boy sharing a bedroom with a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and you're upset and you think he hates you because he doesn't want to go out with you on Saturday afternoons? And she was like, I don't know what I've done wrong. I said, honey, you've not done anything wrong. but not, not give that boy some privacy. He's 15. He's jerking off. And she went, oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> so my sister's just like totally unprepared for this, right? When it when it when it hit the girls, you know. And I was just like, you 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 can't treat her differently than you do the boys. You're gonna make her ashamed, and you're gonna make her um, not want to come to you with questions because she'll feel like she's being. Um, that she's, there's a fear of punishment there. I said, especially when you told the 16-year-old where you keep your condoms. Of course, this happened with the first son, too. He's older. He's 20 now. She kept a box of condoms under her bathroom sink, and she told him where they were. And the first time he the box was open when she went to... Um, to clean out or to get something out of the under the sink, she called me. She says, oh, my God, the condoms are open. And I was like, well, he's either taken one to feel like an adult and he's put it in his wallet or he's taken one to use, which means he's being a responsible adult. Good job. <laughs> she went, I'm not ready for this. I said, are you ready to be a grandma? And she went, no, okay. She said, okay. why am I so much better at this than I am? I said, because they're not my kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I took care of these two girls um, for about a year. Um, they were, and one of them was a newborn, and the other one was about a year and a half old, almost two. And when, at least when they, when they came to live with me. And the, the older one, that girl could not go to bed without just going to town. <laughs> in her panties. I mean, it was it was just a rub fest for like ten minutes before bedtime. And you just kinda like put her to bed, knew it was gonna happen, you just kinda went away and let it happen, let it go. Just like I'm like and it, when her mom um encounters the bedtime she goes, Should I stop her from doing that? I said, Well, I wouldn't. Why why make her self conscious? I mean, you you make her neurotic at two, what the hell? She's just doing what feels good. Just leave her alone. Um I mean, if she starts doing it at, you know, McDonald's, maybe, you, you know, when she's a little bit older, might have the conversation about what you do at private, you don't necessarily do it at McDonald's. But otherwise, I just leave that poor girl alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Let her do her thing. 
I remember um, I had a friend in high school who was just as blunt as myself, and we were having a conversation with a bunch of girls, and they all denied masturbation. And I exchanged a look with my friend, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I could just see the wheels turning in her head. And I'm and I'm thinking, all these little lying bitches, why are they lying? But then I'm, you know, now I'm maybe wondering, oh my God, maybe they weren't lying. <laughs> those, those poor bitches. <laughs> what comedian was it that talks about this? Made the line that says ninety percent of people masturbate and ten. Oh, it's ninety percent of men masturbate and ten percent lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just think that um, that when you make sex a mystery, it makes it more attractive. And then oh, the yeah. best tool is demystification. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this before, and I've even said it on the show before. It's like if you take something and you make it taboo. What's that, what crops up around that are kinks, perversions. If we said that watermelon was um, sinful and ugly and that a good person would never have anything to do with watermelon. I mean, you would have secret it watermelon. It would be illicit cult. watermelon growing. <laughs> there would be. It would be true. There would be little watermelon plants. Backdoor watermelon smuggling. There'd be all these new watermelon kinks that would develop. Develop. I mean, you just. This is what happens in the mind, human brain when you tell them that something is bad or forbidden. If we just go, I got me have me some of that. Jeep said, "I had a book as a teenager about facts about humans, and the one that stuck with me was: two percent of man, men can and regularly do suck their own dick." I'm not surprised at all by that, and I think that if all men could do it, all men would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes back to that whole dog thing. Dogs lick their balls because they can. Because <laughs> they're not trying to accomplish anything down there. <laughs> not with the regular the regularity at which they're doing it. It's not like there's some critical ball movement or cleaning that it has to be done um so you know so lady lady holder mentions there was a time when ankles were seeing a woman's ankle was really risque that was at the same time however when her boobs were practically popping out of her shirt i know right what the fuck is that (laughs) modesty standards are very bizarre but when that happened, when you when you when you when you made a woman's body um, below the boobs um, just so inaccessible, um, seeing a woman's ankle was just really risque. It was almost pervy. It was like, oh my god. Um, I mean, but you, what, what you probably got out of that is probably a lot of freaking foot fetishes. <laughs> a lot. Did they really weren't censor the word sex? No. They okay. really did. Well, what the hell was she trying to say? She's trying to say sexy. I was just curious that, uh, if they would really um, censor the word sex, so I had to check it. 
because that's just a, taking censorship a bit too far. Okay, so here, so speaking of spent censorship, this is totally random, totally random. But I'm playing um, um, Jen Rummy on, on online the other day, and um, that, that's my fault, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to blame Kara, and which for some reason that game caused my computer to overheat. So I can play like three games and then I have to quit. But whatever. Anyway, it's really annoying. But so try a different browser. I probably should try a different browser. But anyway, so I'm in the game, and I'm still getting accustomed to the game. I'm still getting accustomed to the rules of the game and things, right? And I, I wasn't really familiar. But so it says, you know, Kira's sitting at a table. It says I can join her. And so I pop into her room, and it says, I thought she was playing a bot. It says guest, right? I'm like, okay, she's playing a bot. So I just start talking to her in the in-room chat. And the in-room chat censors um, words. So I started we were we were experimenting with words that it would censor, and that wasn't a bot. It was an actual person. It was an actual person who never said a word about the fact that I came in and just started yapping at them and just talking a bunch of nasty words. And then, of course, as soon as the game ended, they left. Without a word. Without a word. Bye. Just... But I was like, and then I figured out that it wasn't a bot, and I was like, oh, guest means a person who isn't disclosing their name. Oh, well, don't I feel sheepish? <laughs> Sorry, poor random Facebook person that I have completely traumatized, but whatever. You should have well, said something. I don't something. think they're Facebook people. I think they're app people, because you can play that game on your phone. That's true, but they should have said something. They should have said Strange woman, <laughs> quit swearing in my <laughs> game or something. But they said nothing. Just quiet. That's why I was even more convinced they were a bot. Is they said nothing as I'm in there just yammering away. <laughs> but the, the game is called Gin Rummy Plus. And it's a lot of fun. I um I really enjoy Gin. Um, I especially enjoy Canasta, but I never found the Canasta game on Facebook that I that I like to play. And I like Spades, but I get really frustrated with people who don't play right. <laughs> yeah. One year I was at the um, the um, International Hearts and Spades tournament in Las Vegas, and we got That's the third round. Is. Oh. Yeah, it was my my epic level of of card game geekdom as I'm in this tournament. It's at the third level, the third round. We're doing really well. And um, these people have a playing strategy that I had never encountered in spades. Some of you may have encountered it before, and you're all like, whatever. I've seen that. But their strategy was to sandbag the opponent and kill you with overage points. So you bidding on what you think you're going to realistically take, and you just like take a mass on shit that you weren't expecting. And I'm losing 100 points right, left, and center from taking all these extra tricks. And I lost yeah. to these crazy people on the sandbagging The strategy. thing about that, my husband plays that game, can play um, the bad game. Um, and the real frustrating part is if you catch on to what they're doing and you try to pad your bid, then they play They'll straight and fuck you and, and, mm-hmm. and set you. They are the worst kind of people to play with. And they're not breaking any rules. It's just underhanded and ugly. Yeah. And very frustrating. 
so it knocked us out of the tournament in the third round. Um, I was really irritated because um, we were really good, and um, we expected to go. I think there were five rounds, maybe four. I think there are five. There's four rounds of play, and then one the the championship round. And I was just like, we thought we'd at least get to the fourth round, semifinal round, and we didn't. It was like it was all in the stupid sandbagging thing, which was just so. It was like. And there was just like nothing we could do. I mean, we even tried to, um, without talking, because you can't talk to each other, but we, you know, even tried to um, bring our bid down and leave. And we still wound up taking. We just, just got the wrong hands to um, avoid the tricks. And we just kept, you know, it was just, it was sad. We, we took most of the tricks that game and wound up with a negative score. True. I would be so furious. I can't. Oh. The only thing worse than that is somebody in um in Jen who will sit there and you fucking know that they're holding an ace and that's it. But they're not going to they don't have Jen, right? So they can't go out on you. But if you go out they're gonna they're gonna undercut you because they have a fucking ace yep. over there. And it's so annoying and you can't get a gin and you're down to five cards and you're like, Fuck it, knock. <laughs> so they give you knock and then they undercut you. For, undercutting. I hate it. Oh, I get so mad. I got so mad last night. It's like, you asshole. Go out. Complete and total. Complete and total. And see, I wouldn't have minded losing. It wasn't the losing thing. We had a really good time at the tournament. Um, and I wouldn't have minded losing. Uh, that wasn't the issue, because I mean, there are some, some of those people, some of those spades teams are just, it's unbelievable how good they are. Because um, it's not, I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of skill involved. And I have been playing with my partner um, for like a year or so. Um you really get to know each other's habits, and and the more you know about your partner, the better you're going to do. But to lose on what I considered to be a really underhanded strategy, it just pissed me off. I'd have rather have lost people who were playing straight and playing well. For me, one of the most annoying things that can happen is if my partner plays high, but not high enough to win, and they undercut and 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 they they tank my cards. Like if I have a queen and um that's my highest and I only have one or two and they play the king but not the ace or they or they play a jack and I have the queen. I have to play the queen, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the only card I got, and then the deck and uh, it just I just get frustrated. I ha- I hate a partner who um, doesn't watch out for you. That is, I I am like one of one of the things I do the best in spades is I am like a master nil player. I can I can take hands you would not expect and get no tricks out of them. Um, and I had a partner third third of the last um, play. Lead, lead with the two of hearts. It was their lead, and they led with the two of hearts, and it set and it set my nose. What the fuck? Everybody, the thing is, nobody had hearts left but me, and I had the six, and everybody else threw off, laid off another suit, and I took, I, I lost my, and I was like, I was like, never, I never forgave that person for that play. I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? They said, well, I thought you were out of hearts, and I was like, you're gonna lead with a two. You better be damn sure. You never sure. leave with a two unless you actually have no fucking choice. The only reason you leave with a two is because you got three cards and they're all twos. Exactly. 
This is terrible. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so pissed. <sighs> See, somebody who consistently bids. Somebody saying that they've got an uncle who consistently bids way over. Somebody who bids consistently over is something you can compensate for as their partner, as you know they're going to bid a couple up. Um, but so you bid a couple it's people, down. It's yeah. It, right, but there are people. There's people who are wild, unpredictable players, and they're really hard to play with because you never know what they're going to do, and you can't. You, it's like you don't know. How, you can't be a good partner. You can't support them when you don't know what the fuck they're doing. I, I'm gonna be honest. My my thoughts as a space player, I tend to underbid, um, and I play high, and I break spades the moment I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. The very moment I can. Um, and if I have the ace and the king of spades, I'm going to play them back to back and try to clear up everybody else's spades. Mm-hmm. I'll flush those spades out and piss everybody off. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. My mama gets so mad at me. She throws cards. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had the ace, king, queen, and jack of spades. Um in a in a game once I got Delta but I was just like this is bitching and I had one heart. So on the second trick I got to break spades and I flushed everybody's spades out. <laughs> but when you do that it changes the whole game. And everybody gets really intense. I I love it. I love it's it. It's awesome. It's awesome. And people just look at you like you're like Satan when you do it. It's like what were you thinking? Oh but like nobody has any spades left and the game is just now a matter of fucking chance. <laughs> And everybody's like, oh, who's going to take this trick? What are we going to do? Nobody can trump. It's going to literally go down to who has the best cards. And it's like, this is awesome. I love it. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. <laughs> I love it. But in, I'm a terrible player in Canasta, too. I'm a terrible person in Canasta because I will be that person who freezes the pile and then plays every card you need but can't pick up. And then, even if I don't have any canasses on the board, I will expend all of my wild cards to keep the pile frozen so you can't pick it up. And then when you get super frustrated, and you're frustrated and you're throwing things, you're throwing whatever, I pick up the whole pile and I have 90 cards in my hand or whatever, you know. (laughs) My favorite moment, I think, in a card game ever was... I had just, a, I was playing hearts, and I had a buttload of hearts. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. The one thing I didn't have was the queen of spades. And you need that to shoot for the moon, right? Right. And I, so I'm sitting there, and I'm playing, like, really pathetic. I'm playing, I'm just, I start the game playing like I'm just screwed with my cards. And I knew I wasn't. I just needed the person who had the queen to drop it on me. And it came really early in the game. And someone dropped that queen on me on a really low, and I had led something like a 10. Everybody went underneath it. It was a really early trick. And then they dropped that queen on me. And I got some subtle expression. (laughs) One of my friends goes, oh, shit. And the next part that came out was the ace of hearts. (laughs) And two of of my friends just put their hands down and said, we're given, we're given, we're just... As they said, one of them said, actually, how many of them do you have? How many hearts? I thought I've got ten. <laughs> gotcha. I, said, I, had, I, had, I had three, I had like three crap cards and ten hearts. 
<laughs> and I was like, I have no way. I'm going to have to drop that queen on me really early or I'm really screwed. And I got that queen. <laughs> and my friends just look like, how many hearts do you have? This is best I've got ten. And they just put their hands down. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a card story. Me and my sister used to play spades together all the time, to the point where we could have an entire conversation just looking at each other and not saying a word. Um, and my dad thought that was particularly interesting to watch, and he would set people up to play with us, adults. And I was 12, and she was 8. And we went out to Canada, um, and we were visiting his brother, and his brother... Um, had a son who was um, 19 or 20, and um, they were um, they played spades a lot. And my daddy said that me and my sister could beat them at a game of spades. And he said, no, no, I can't. And um, he said, okay, I'll front you $100 to me. He says, okay, I'll, I said, okay, I bet you $100 that me and my sister can beat you at spades. And he's like, well, I'm taking his money. <laughs> so he sits <laughs> down. And he lays out the rules. And he makes the mistake of um, saying that we can play 10 for 200 as part of the rules. And laughed when he said it. And I didn't know why. Well, me and my sister were were especially gifted at trading bids and and knowing kind of what each other had because we 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 spent we spent so much time playing cards together whether it was canasta or gin rummy or or whatever and so our first handout we did um 50 points and it was it was fine it was fine and no bags and um he deals the next set and i say five and she says and she says five and he looks at us and he goes "Uh uh-uh and we're like, five. And she says, five. And he says, okay, ten. We took all 13. <laughs> and bagged for three. Because <laughs> he didn't do any penalties on us, which was his mistake. That that See, in their family, you could do ten for um, 200. You could either do, you had, you, you had to make ten exactly, or you could bag. Um now, in his family, you could do either or. So, we bagged. and um, But we got our points. And then we turned around. Next hand comes around. And we bid 10 again. And he said, there is no absolute way you're going to do this to me again. We got it. 10 for 200. <laughs> our score was 550. His score was zero. And me and my sister had 100 bucks. <laughs> that we collected. And I said, I'm going to need that um, 100 bucks in 420s and 25s. Or whatever it was. Because I had to have, we, we got, no, two 10s. It was 420s and two 10s. And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. 420s and two 10s. We can't split and that middle had, 20. And, and he gave it to me, and I split it up in two piles. I handed my sister her half. I stuck my half in my pocket. We got up and walked away. <laughs> My dad set him up. <laughs> That's awesome. But they didn't let us play spades the rest of the um, trip, though, with the adults anyway. Um, they also taught us a game called Asshole, 
where it was four players, and there was the boss, the little boss, the foreman, and the asshole. And the asshole um, has to be the dealer. And it's like a cutthroat game of war, basically, where you play cards against each other, and the person who wins the highest amount of cards wins the game, and they're the and they're the boss. And the person who wins the second amount of books is the little boss. And the person who wins the least is an asshole. And it goes around and around the table. And, like, the asshole can actually become the boss if they take enough cards in the game. So you could go from asshole to boss. It's, it's an interesting game. I think it's also called President president and Vice President or something like that. Yeah, I, I I just googled um how to play asshole and um it's yeah, the president begins the game followed by the vice president in the middle of the pack, the people followed by the vice asshole and asshole. The vice <laughs> asshole. There you go. There's there's a life aspiration. I want to be a vice asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody? But not asshole in chief, um, mind you, the vice asshole. But uh they taught us that game and we kick their asses on a regular basis. And he's like, where are these little girls coming from? <laughs> where, where did you get them? You little things, what's the matter with them? Did you, did you pick them from the casino? <laughs> did you drop by Atlantic City? There is a, um, there's a picture. This is the Slytherin in me. There's a, there's a picture card game. It's not cards like uh, number cards. Um, it's called Saboteur. And your goal is to start from the beginning. Each player goes and they play a piece of a maze to try to reach the the miners to reach the gold. The thing is, is that at the beginning of the game, a certain number of people you draw a card to determine are you a miner trying to get to the gold or are you a saboteur. And nobody knows who the saboteurs are and nobody knows who the miners are until the end or until you reveal yourself. And the goal is a saboteur. And I love it when I get to be the saboteur. It is so awesome because I will set people up to think that I am playing for the miners and then you play the blockade card of doom that nobody can get around game. It's like, I just messed all your, you guys carefully been constructing this maze, and I took you to the wrong side of the board. Because <laughs> I just have something called Skipbo and Milesborn. I loved Milesborn. I never played it. What's the other one called? Milesborn. And it's a game where you have to, like, you get flat tires. It's, 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 um, it's a racing game with cards. And mm-hmm. you you build your trip with mileage. And you can throw a flat tire on your opponent or a stop sign or, you know, stuff, stuff like that. But um, it's pretty cool. I was reading, there was an article um, on, I think it was on mental floss. It seems like all my trivia, trivia articles are covering mental floss. Um, about that we've all been playing Uno wrong, right? And so I was like, I've been playing Uno wrong all these years? So I go to look at it, look at the rules, and the rules that they say, this is how the game is supposed to be played, like it was astonishing. And it was, um, the rules were exactly the way I've always played it. Uh, and I was like, what's the, how's everybody been playing this game? Because it's the way the rules are written, apparently. is Nobody actually plays it the way they're, well, how has people been playing it? I was just mystified. And apparently, like, the thing was um, the rule people weren't following, and I guess a common lot of convention is that, you know, the wild draw far card, you were supposed to mm-hmm. only play that when you were out of that color. And apparently most people don't play that way. I mean, I don't know. I was confused. That's I was how like, I play. 
That's in the rules. So how would people just choose to leave That's that out? The... Cheaters. And you could get <laughs> you could get challenged if people thought you really did have the color. You could challenge to draw four. If the person did have the color, they would have to draw six. I mean, it was just so weird. I was like. Yeah, when I was a kid, and even into my, even into my, you know, even probably up until a decade ago, I was, I was a total card game whore. I mean, I would have, I played everything. The only thing I never really got into was bridge, and um, I think I just had this perception when I was young that it was the old people's game. <laughs> but, um, you know, I may try bridge someday, but I never really played bridge. But I played, I played like practically everything else. It seemed like, although I've never played asshole, and now I feel like that that's like a real lost opportunity because that would have been the perfect game for me. <laughs> it's a game called asshole. The, the best part is, is if, if you're playing the asshole and you can get to become the boss, you kick them out of their chair, and the and the, and the whole table has to move around. You have to, you have to get up and move if you lose your position. I think that's awesome. And that would be especially awesome if everybody was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the version I found online talks about this, the drinking game. I was like, okay. Now, my mom and I um, play Yahtzee um, in real life, not on digital, but we, we, we do that there too. Um, but she... Um, we made a copy of the whole sheet, the, you know, the sheet for the Yahtzee, um, and blew it up. So it is of a um, a piece of 9 by 10, 9 by 12. What is that? Just a regular sheet of paper. You know. 8 and a half by 11? Yes, 8 and a half by 11. Thank you. It just was, was not getting in my head. Um, so that the Yahtzee board is that size. And instead of playing one game, we play eight games at once, or every how many games are on the sheet, like 12, eight or 12, wow. at once. So you play them all at once. That way, if you roll a bunch of twos on, and you write a four down, the next turn, you know, you, 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 you roll again, and you get a whole bunch more twos instead of having to put twos on your challenge or on your chance. You can take it over to the next game and put two on or four on your twos on the on, on the other game. Oh my now, god! Now, if you're a if you're a bad strategist, you'll end up at the end of the game and you'll have like eight large straights to roll, <laughs> <laughs> or you just have an attention deficit problem. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really. Um, that's the kind of thing my mom would make me do when I was a little kid. So I was eight, nine years old playing Yahtzee that way. And um, first time I played Yahtzee at somebody else's house, we only had one game. I'm like, are you serious? We only had to play one? Because really <laughs> mom had to hell? play the whole sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, large straights are my least favorite thing in Yahtzee. Um, um, and so it's bizarre that, like, the thing that's the happy, the thing that can make me the absolute happiest in a game of Yahtzee, is to get the large share on the first roll. <laughs> you would think that I had just rolled a Yahtzee with one roll on that first roll. When I can get the the large straight, the first the first roll out, I'm like, this is going to be the Yay! best game ever. I don't care if I lose. I got the large <laughs> straight the first time out. I hate the fucking large straight. It is so difficult. It's harder than the Yahtzee, I think. I swear. 
And it's worth 10 points less. It's like I'd rather take the zero on the large straight than take it on the Aussie. It is, and, oh, it's terrible. Now, gambling card games don't do it for me quite as much. I enjoy them um, to a degree, but um, there's a lot of, um, like with poker, a little bit too much sitting around. I mean, I could do speed poker. I could I could be on down for that, but there's a little, just a little bit too much people you know, making faces at their cards for me. It's like, come on, do something. And I'm drawing a blank on the name of that game that I used to play the most. Cribbage. Well, Bob, I've been like trying to think of that name for days. Yeah, we used to play Cribbage a lot when I was a kid. I never could really... I found Cribbage very frustrating, actually. Cribbage is, um, well, it's it's um, I don't know, it's probably I guess I would say it's an, it's definitely an acquired taste, but it's it's um, it's hard. Sometimes it's very hard to see wh- what points you have, and the counting. And when when they, I mean, I learned to play it with a board and stuff. But when they came out with Cribbage Online, wow, it's like the computer does all the counting for you. I was like, that's like. Half the game time is trying to count the points. <laughs> and oh, now we're down to 90 instantly. seconds. <laughs> Holy crap. The show, the show is over. Was that two hours? Well, yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> we spent two hours talking about nothing. About nothing. The show about nothing. Yeah. And, and card, card games. <laughs> but um, the point of the show was that I uh, I tend to write more in the winter, um, and that was why I named the show what I did and we're down to 60 seconds and that's just so crazy um, I'll probably be home tomorrow so we'll probably do another show tomorrow and maybe we'll have a topic <laughs> it could be about how you write more in winter <laughs> it could be it could actually be that it could be so you guys have a great weekend if I don't see if I, if I don't do podcast tomorrow have a great super weekend and rough trade will be cleaned off in the next four or five hours So I hope you got all the reading done you needed to. Say goodnight. (laughs) Goodnight, everyone.